Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 81 for the week of August 3rd, 2015. I am Melted Popsicle David T. Cole, and I'm here with Awkward Sunburn Sarah D. Bunting. My hair hurts. Sun in Victim Tara Ariano. This isn't blonde at all. And Work Appropriate Shorts Mark Blankenship. Who wears kneeling shorts? <laughs> <laughs> everybody we are happy to welcome back into the blankenship chair one mr mark blankenship hi everybody uh before we get into today's lead topic which is summer tv i have a quick meta ad hi there i'm the abominable snowman did you know that you are the boss of your own money that's a special thing you can buy the first thing that catches your eye like this catcher's mitt or something that costs less, like this balloon, or costs more, like this swell dolly, or several different things. Or you can save it for something you haven't even thought of yet. You're the boss, it's your choice, it's your money. So think before you spend. Extra hot, great ads. $100 for a business ad, $50 for a personal ad. Go to previously.tv, hit the uh, EHG menu item, hit buy an ad, let's talk shop. It's the best way to spend your money. Money Yeti agrees. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's time to talk about summer TV. This is what we're going to do this week. First, can we talk about a credit on that song? Yeah, that's from a regular show. Oh, it's the uh, cassette sure it of summertime. Of course, it the is. addictive oh. 80s yes, uh, yes, summertime yes. hit. <laughs> and uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but I found on YouTube somebody made a 10 hour loop of oh that my song. God. <laughs> the actual awesome. song's like a couple minutes. I just cut it, cut it down to about a fourth of it. But uh, yeah, love it. Enjoy. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about the kings of summer TV, we're calling this. And this is how we're going to do it, just to let you know. We're going to run down. First, we're going to start with kind of like a poker hand. We're going to start with the Jacks. We're going to go to the Queens. We're going to talk about the Kings. And when it's all over, we're going to figure out who is the ace of summer TV. What is the one indispensable show of this summer? So let's start it off. Let's talk about the Jack of all trades. So what this is, is your workhorse pick. Something that's consistent, enjoyable, yet kind of non-essential. It's, it's basically the show you clean your house to or something like that. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Who wants to start off? Sarah? Sure. Um, I had a bunch of candidates for this. And unfortunately, um, all of the, all of my candidates are like uh, shows that I cover for previously.tv. If you would not mind reading my things, I would appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, So I can't exactly clean the house. To them, and then the my other pick is actually uh, Airline Disasters on Smithsonian Channel, which is just <laughs> weird and means that I'm really too creepy to be among other people. Um, so let's go with one that I actually cover, which is Murder in the First. Uh-huh. Uh, that is a TNT drama. 
it always starts off really well each season. And then uh, as we record this, we are coming up on the season finale and it becomes like it sheds essentiality as the season continues. Mm. But it has Tay Diggs and a bunch of other kind of, hey, it's that guy actors that I like. Um, and it's you really don't have to pay close attention. And in fact, you're better off not paying attention <laughs> because then it just all kind of falls apart. What is the show about? The show is, uh, it involves a department in the San Francisco Police uh, Department. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the Homicide Dicks, as it were. And uh, they're on a different major case each season. So last year, it was um, the guy who played Draco Malfoy was a Mark Zuckerberg type who had allegedly killed someone. Sure. This time, they're sort Wasn't of... Wasn't he supposed to quit Hollywood? Anyway, know. sorry, carry on. <laughs> he, he didn't, so, and I'm glad he didn't. He was really good in that role. It was, like, not a perfectly conceived, like, story idea, but he was really brilliant and, like, the perfectly annoying villain for the show. This year started off with a um, very affecting and upsetting school bus shooting mm. um, by the kid who was in Hostages, who is also very good in this and was terrible in that, although everyone was because hostages. Um, But then it's sort of tentacles like came out from that investigation into like a disappeared undercover cop and uh, drug war territory stuff. And it's not very realistic. And there's a couple of sort of, you know, pierces rattling around the show that you could drop into a (laughs) volcano. And actually I would be actively psyched versus not missing them at all. Right. Um, But Kathleen Robertson, who was uh, Claire Chancellor's daughter on uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Better known to Dave from her role on Boss. Yes, (laughs) that too. (laughs) I got to get in my underwear right now. (laughs) She was also in the basic cable version of, um, not the Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, which she was decent in given that it was stupid and superfluous um who else is in it uh tay diggs you already mentioned yes tay diggs uh uh layla robbins uh, late of homeland and young uh young livia soprano um yeah it's reliable and it's also fun if you're one of those people who like watches uh basic cable properties and counts the like right up to the line curse words and how much and how much like butt cheek they're allowed to show when a corrupt cop is in a strip joint sure. um as i now am that it's like is that 60 percent or 65 percent of the cheek um and they really whoever gets to say shit that week really relishes it and like snaps the tea off and- oh yeah suits was always like that too <laughs> all right who's next you are Oh, me. Uh, mine is one that I recently mentioned uh, around the dial. My my true answer, of course, is Royal Pains. But since it ended sure. really soon this season, I think because Resh Machete is um, pregnant, she plays Divya on the show, and she's they've been hiding her behind an increasingly ridiculous number of things to conceal the fact that her character is not <laughs> pregnant. Like, r- seriously, there was a plot line that involved a group of Civil War reenactors, and they were like, here, before you go out to the yard, put on this poncho, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, when, it, when I was watching the episode, they were like, next week on the season finale, I was like, no! Because <laughs> I'm the only person that cares about Royal Pains, including people on it, I believe. But... Because that's already over, I'm going to say my answer for this one is Astronaut Wives doesn't require you to pay a huge amount of attention because the history stuff you may already know either from history or from watching the right stuff. Um, but also because there's there's not really that much 
to it. Some of the wives have been cycled out at this point and they're bringing in, like, it started with the Mercury wives. Now they're on to bringing in some of the Gemini wives. So Marilyn Lovell and her wig had a big role in the latest episode. Um, but it's really just for the only reason to watch it kind of is the costuming, which as Sarah knows, just from looking at the pictures on the site is gorgeous and on point. We're now at like 1965, I believe. Oh my God. My stomach just gurgled. Like even talking about it, <laughs> every single dress is like, want. It's gorgeous. Want. And when I interviewed Aaron Cummings, who plays Marge Slayton for the site at previously.tv is still there. You can check it out. She talked about how um, the costume designers specifically like mapped out a different color pattern for each of the wives so that when they're all in a scene together it's like a rainbow and you really can see it like it's uh, a beautiful looking show <laughs> happening to Sarah Sorry. oh no that, that spurring sound was my boner Sarah just um, turned off her recording and yeah. went to Etsy and googled vintage fabrics yep. so that she could make herself some dresses um, anyway it's it's a Wasn't really the first time today but anyway <laughs> it's a it's a sweet show it's it's um you know it's light and fuzzy it's very ABC but I've really enjoyed watching it this this summer Hey, all right. Well, first of all, let me say that Lila Robbins is also the former district attorney who sleeps with Jack McCoy. Is and she ever? Claire King, Claire King Cade finds out about it, and she and then Lila Robbins had the handwriting analyst lie about who committed the crime. Yeah, that was just on. The I other took day. her yeah. to Ireland. Well, and that actually segues as to my response to this question, because if I'm going to be honest, and I only want to bring honesty to the table here, <laughs> what I actually do watch when I don't want to have to really focus on anything is my DVDs of the entire Law & Order original flavor. <laughs> and uh, I have all 20 seasons in the big box set. It's one of the greatest Christmas presents I've ever received, and I've actually been feeding Sarah's addiction by sending her DVDs occasionally as well from the set yes because currently quite in frankly, custody of season 11 yes uh quite frankly i have been so surprisingly engaged by the shows that i've chosen to watch this summer that are new that i don't i actually want to pay attention to them so i honestly will sometimes however choose to go put on an old season 18 episode and have that playing in the background while i play quizzes on sporkle or whatever so that is partially my answer but then earlier this summer i don't know if how many of you remember me writing about this fine program uh for previously but there is a terrible yet wonderful sci-fi series called between oh, i was wondering if Wait, that would come up between between i mean it's was it was only six episodes long they're all still on netflix now although at the time they were only airing a week at a time it's like the only Netflix show that's ever done that, as far as I know, because it was also airing in Canada, and it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible sci-fi series about a town called Pretty Lake oh, in God. Canada, <laughs> where suddenly everyone who's over the age of 22 dies. And there are literally episodes where there's this episode where this woman who, for some reason, at the age of 21 is able to be a high school teacher. Well, mm-hmm. I guess that doesn't. Anyway, she Damn. literally is celebrating her 22nd birthday. She's like, ooh, it's my birthday. And she falls down dead. <laughs> I mean, it's like to the second that you turn 22. It's amazing. Like she, they've just poured oh. her this big beer. And she's like, takes one sip and she falls down dead. And so then there's this whole conspiracy like – 
How much does the government know about who's killing all of us? And will the children be able to run the city? And will the rich kids and the poor kids put aside their rivalries? Answer, no. And (laughs) it's a terrible but so wonderful show. And one of the things I love about it so much, and the reason it's really perfect when you just have um, something else you want to do, like the best network dramas of the 80s the characters reiterate what's happening every 14 seconds so that's always like wait are you saying that we all die by the time that we're 22 (laughs) yeah what i I mean based on what i'm seeing here it seems like that everyone's going to die when they turn 22 (gasps) but i'm about to turn 22 (laughs) then you may be dead soon i mean literally and then there's like a scene then there's always so many scenes where they find completely if you if you pardon my judgment here they find completely uh dubious reasons to get the young nubile actors to take their clothes off sure like there was a subplot where a guy was going to get tarred and feathered and so they had him stripped down (laughs) to his underwear and it was like what (laughs) and then there's this whole other subplot where the rich kid who's really mean he's like the leader now and his sister accidentally burns down a restaurant because she thinks (laughs) if she makes french fries the smell of them will bring her other sister home (laughs) and uh (laughs) that and it, 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 it is so I, that's all i can say if that if that turns okay. on in any way please go watch between wow well you know uh, there's a proud canadian tradition of having shows with like those kind of town names in them like paradise <laughs> cove danger, danger bay. bay and all yeah. this kind of stuff like there's got to be a 10 of them or so so it's 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 I don't understand why the show wasn't called whatever this. What was it called again? Pretty Lake. Uh, Pretty Lake. Yeah, this town. This show called Pretty Lake. Yeah, it should called the Pretty Lake. Well, speaking of shows named after towns that are terrible, Wayward Pines, I believe, also had a tarring and feathering. So big summer for (laughs) people getting tarred and feathered. Seventeenth century banishment techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll do that to Daniel and rectify and make (laughs) it happen. All right, I'll round out uh, our jack of all trades. Uh, Mine is Halt and Catch Fire, Hmm. which had a really great second season in comparison to the first anyways um it um wisely kind of did a reboot of sorts this season and uh moved the action to a sort of almost well-researched but not quite early (laughs) online company struggling uh you know uh to start up the ladies of the first season start a online company called mutiny which is sort of like your early uh fido net kind of stuff if you know what phytonet is um there are some things that they do in the programs that you there's no way you could do online at that time but uh you know whatever i'm sure they got 20 somethings writing for this show that don't know any better um but uh it's an enjoyable show it kind of plods along at a nice pace but it's not like didn't get too zany and you know it's sort of a nice retro you know, it doesn't have the same appeal as like a 60s Mad Men for the fashions and stuff, but it really is nice to see how terrible everything looked in the 80s. <laughs> uh, people's shirts, the homes, you know, you go into a nice home and it still looks shitty because it's the 80s. <laughs> you know, there's no, the only thing they haven't done in that vein yet is the guy who's really into like that one guy in town who's really into the German, you know, efficient minimal furniture you know all the stuff is like uh, yes. padded black and red leather kind of furniture well in the that's finale, the one thing we haven't seen 
We did see it when when Joe went to the VC office. They had those like those white leather reclining yeah. chairs sort that of, you see yeah. everywhere. Yeah, there was another scene in last night's finale, um, possibly the series finale, because we still don't know right. as of this recording if it's going to be. Although I will up. say, if they do do a third season, they're sort of rebooting it again, which is kind of a neat uh, concept for a show that's computer driven. Is that basically every year? Yeah, it's season three point whatever. You know, there is sort of a a, a big change. Yeah, they they're the the finale had the whole everybody moving to Northern California from Texas where they had been, which you know makes sense because it's a show about computers. But there's a scene where one of the female characters is, goes into the bathroom on the plane and she's wearing this like jersey dress that has like little cap sleeves and then sort of a smocked waist. And I, as soon as I saw it, Sarah, I know you know what I'm talking about because this was like a t-shirt dress where it was like I had seven of those minimum. Like uh-huh. what I love about it, it, it is not as stylish as a '60s show, certainly because it's the 80s but this season has been all set in 1985 so it's nostalgic for the reason that like i was old enough to have been forming memories at that point so i Mm. I like that aspect of it i I, this season's really been a huge improvement over season one which we stopped watching after two episodes (laughs) (laughs) all right we move from jack of all trades to drama queen and this is your best silly or over-the-top summer program. Uh, Sarah, why do you start us off? Uh, well, I didn't expect this to be true, uh, but mine is True Detective. <laughs> it is um, kind of, like, it's not terrible, exactly. It's sort of aspiring to be terrible. But <laughs> as we approach the uh, finale, as we record this, the penultimate episode of season two just recorded last night. And um, it's just really like... It takes itself so seriously that there's any number of drinking games that you could play with it. And like, but at the same time, like the actors are trying to do a really good job. So it's like fun to watch on that level, except for Vince Vaughn's scenes. And I would like to take this opportunity to say, and I've been saying all season that even though he's not great in this role, it's totally not his fault. Uh, And it isn't, but Last night, he kind of finally locked in. Oh, just in time. Yeah, when he was just like, now the character is like just literally burning it down, salting the earth and preparing to go to war and then move to Venezuela with his crappy acting wife. Maybe she'll get killed. A girl can dream. But anyway, (laughs) he just like, he see, even when he was supposed to be nervous as the character, he seemed way more confident. And it was like, oh, this is why they cast him. Right. Got it. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it's like, if you bail down on it, you're missing nothing. And I don't recommend anyone like returning or trying to catch up on it. Dara's like, I wasn't Good. planning I was, on it. I wasn't. Yeah. So well, I mean, I was too talking to you on that one. You're <laughs> enjoying it, it for like, the meta-meta-ness of the, uh, the acting versus the quality of the show. Is that what, that's what's well, carrying it Well, and also like, I think it's sort of Tara's, similar to Tara's relationship with uh, Under the Dome. Uh, that it's like, I'm covering it, so let's try to find the joy and like <laughs> yeah. analyze this thing <laughs> yeah. about, and it's like, why do you have a flip phone? I mean, I don't know, like interrogating it to... <laughs> Talk about why it's bad is like yep. has been done to death. So I'm just like ranking things about how unbelievable they are. But mm-hmm. once I sort of let go of the idea that it was going to be good. any good or figure out how to have some fun with itself, then it became strangely less unenjoyable. Yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Where you just kind of have to like accept it, accept the badness in your heart. <laughs> yeah. And then 
you find a level of joy. It's so true. But it does have it. like it's happier you know living through lowered it. expectations is yep. a thing, and now I have none. So I'm like, oh, Vince Vaughn wasn't terrible. Great. But it's also different from hate watching. Like I feel like I have that relate. I do have that relationship with Under the Dome now, where it's like I have to watch this to the end so that I can <laughs> burn it down and dance on its grave. Like it's not that I like it, but I need to know where it's going to go, and I have to know that I outlive it. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. <laughs> All right, Tara, so what's your uh, drama queen pick? Oh, mine is obviously Unreal. Um, as we record this, the season finale is about to air tonight. I got to see a screener. It's really, really good. Um, but I've been working on my season in review post about it. I'm not going to give any spoilers, obviously. But I'll say what's been very interesting about it, it definitely does have like over-the-top drama queen qualities. It's As we've talked about before, it's set behind the scenes of a dating reality show of The Bachelor in the bachelor mold and it was created by a former producer of the bachelor. So it has a lot of that stuff in it. Um, but there's also what makes it so compelling and such a great drama is the relationships between the characters, um, aside from the show and what's been the most interesting to me a lot of people have been writing today about how it seems like Rachel the protagonist of the show is sort of the TV's first anti-hero in the Walter White mold which is not misplaced Um, if you haven't been watching this this season she's done some pretty terrible unforgivable really monstrous stuff which is amazing to watch Um, but the relationship between her and Constance Zimmer who plays the executive producer of the show Quinn is like to me the most fascinating relationship in the show and the way they end things between the two of them is really worth I mean I'm being so vague about it because if you haven't been watching you really do have to go back and and watch this season if you love TV and that's that seems like crazy um hyperbole but it's it's been an amazing 10 episode season I can't believe some of the shit that happened and uh, I'll be very sad when it ends which it already has sold yeah Mark I think you would really like it I really, you really honestly did. It's like you just came in and offered to sell me like a timeshare. I'm in. (laughs) I'll take six weeks in April, please. It will not take you that long. There's only 10 episodes. (laughs) So if you want to wait until they've all aired, you can just use the Lifetime app and watch them all. Yes. What's your pick, Mark? Well, okay. I have to bet. I'm going to make an analogy, but I have to back up and say that if you've been if you follow me on Twitter, you might have noticed that recently I've been making a lot of references to early nineties grunge music. And that's because Sarah uh got me a copy of a book that is the oral history of grunge. And that is why now I'm going to say that I have chosen the show Mr. Robot. Hmm. And I would like to compare Mr. Robot to Pearl Jam. <laughs> because I I have realized that <laughs> as in, <laughs> in both cases, once I realized I didn't have to take Pearl Jam or Mr. Robot as seriously as Mr. Robot and Pearl Jam take themselves, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I started to realize, oh, there's actually a lot of great pop hooks under here, right? Like, Mr. Robot and Pearl Jam both are just like, we are so autistic and everything we do is so beautiful and we won't make music videos anymore and we'll make sure that all of our camera angles are so tilted and crazy. But really, what this show is, it is the most over-the-top crazy ass spy show there's always somebody doing a line having a lesbian affair beating the shit out of somebody spanking a pregnant woman i mean it's all its show is insane and it is completely possible as sarah and i mentioned and as some commenters in the post were apparently furious that we think it might even not happen that we're going to find out that christian slater's character on this show is just a figment of his imagination oh yeah people have been saying that all season 
I mean, I, like, when I was still what? writing about the show, I think I did because I was trying to I was trying to parse like how to figure out who's real and who isn't because I'm I've been assuming the whole time someone isn't. Yeah, clearly someone isn't because he's talking to himself. The the the, the fictitious the person is a fundamental element of the show. Yeah, but I not not unlike what Sarah was just saying about True Detective, I feel I feel like I've finally gotten to a place where I'm like, you know what? This is the kind of show that is going to pull that shit and think it's being really deep. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to agree with it. I can just watch it and enjoy it for the gaudy spectacle that it is. And, and those so, of us who know John Ramos personally yeah, can also yes. take extra joy in, like, when someone says something stupid or is like, well, but you can do that, right? And then uh, and then Elliot just, like, sort of stares. And it's like he's <laughs> looking into the middle distance to find something to say that's not, quote, you're a fucking idiot. And my dear friend and our esteemed colleague, John Ramos, gets that look all the time. <laughs> yes. Usually yes, around me. Not a coincidence. Nice. But I would just say that for me, uh, this this show is bringing me a lot of joy because it's also able allows me to play my favorite game, which is spot the New York theater actor, mm. and they're everywhere on the show. Yep. And I I'm just really into just how over the top everything is. I mean, he didn't just let one prisoner go in a recent episode. He let every fucking prisoner go. <laughs> and the fact that everything on this show is played at a sort of Greek tragic level yep. is giving me a lot of uh, joy. And again, not unlike if you decide that uh, daughter and elderly woman behind the counter in a small town are just like <laughs> really rocking good power ballads and not windows into Eddie Vedder's soul. Love it. And now... I pass the baton to Dave Cole. Well, uh, <laughs> thankfully, luck. yeah, thankfully I don't have to follow it up with a pick like that because I cannot <laughs> compare it with that one. Uh, for my silly over-the-top summer pick, I'm going with Gravity Falls, which mm. has started its new season. Yeah. And I've talked mm. about this on the show before, but it's, it's the Disney XD X-Files for Kids cartoon, which so good. offers a lot for older audiences, too. It's very cute. It's 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 very nice show, um, but it's actually also very deep with its mythology and Mm -hmm. this season we're starting to get answers about the crazy stuff that's been happening in gravity falls it's sort of like a um you know a magnet point for um you know occult and supernatural stuff happening and uh it's a story of uh, a brother and sister who are spending summer with their uncle stan grunkle stan yeah and um crazy shit happens and it is Incredibly enjoyable, uh, super cute. Some actual genuinely funny stuff happens on this show that uh, would fly over kids' heads, but you know, yeah. you get I think to I, enjoy. I think I made reference in a previous episode to they were sh- trying to show us disappointing candy that people got for Halloween, and one of them was homework the candy bar. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like visual jokes like that. But like, it, since this show came back, the, there was a big cliffhanger at the end of the last season about Grunkle Stan and his past, and there was a new <laughs> a new character was yeah. was revealed and hinted at, and then we got to meet him in the premiere, and it's he's voiced by J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Awesomely. Yeah, the voice sounds really good, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a quality show from uh, stem to stern. So that is my pick. All right, everybody. Oh, boy. Summertime. It's 
time to go through the kings of summer TV. And this is how it's going to work. We're all going to go with our three pick, and then we're all going to go around the dial with our two pick and our top pick. But when somebody uh, starts talking about uh, a show that somebody else has picked, they'll chime in at that time. So with we their don't. count. Are you doing the math on I'm this? I'm doing the math. Okay, thank yes. God. <laughs> and at the end of this, we will crown. Well, actually, it won't crown. We will uh, come up with the ace. The ace of summer TV, let's say. So, <laughs> Turn over the uh, ace. Yes, very nice. Thank you. All right, Sarah, start us off. What's your number three pick for the kings of summer TV? Um, I was really torn about this because it's not exactly a show, and I didn't necessarily want to diss Hannibal, uh, and we have been getting a lot of Shirley Mads Mickelson this summer, but <laughs> it's not quite enough. It is. I think if you're not covering it, I think I would probably quit it if I weren't mm. covering it. Not a whole lot is happening. Yeah. With that said, my number three pick is actually the Monday HBO documentary. Oh, it has been oh. consistently good. Um, there's one coming up as we record this uh, about uh, life in jail that I'm looking forward to and a documentary about Greg Luganis coming on uh, this Tuesday yeah. that I have screened and really liked. And it's been, I mean, there's always like, there's always one that's kind of like a C plus, but it's consistently good. And um, that's my number three pick. Very reliable. Awesome. I'm Tara. next. My number three pick is Key and Peel. Um, we have seen, I think, five or six episodes because we get the screeners. God, it's so good. And they've announced that this is their final season, but and I've written about this on previously.tv before, but like the difference in the quality of a sketch show that can take its time to write its sketches versus something like SNL, which I still watch and enjoy. It's like Key and Peel is so laser sharp and smart and um, surprising and exciting and great and their sketch from the season premiere with um, Lem from Better Off Ted yeah. <laughs> where they, they were <laughs> my favorite thing they've ever done on the show Peel and Key both playing people that are uh, talking about their strategies for how they're going to fight Terry's on a plane. <laughs> on a plane. Um, and their crazy hair. And like, I, we please go to the site. Their go strategy to, go for to the when the Terry's on the plane start to get froggy. <laughs> yeah. They get froggy. <laughs> and then they're going to get their Tom Berger on. I can't do justice. It's been so, it's so, so random, that thing. But it's also, like, weirdly structured like i don't know how they did it you know what i well, mean but like then it, you saw the picture that i tweeted right where it's like those both of those hair yeah. stories on those guys were like real pictures yep. from the internet i feel like they started with those pictures uh-huh. that were like what would these two guys be doing of course they would be being crazy on an airplane yep. the worst seatmates you can ever possibly imagine anyway i don't want to go through every single sketch of this season yeah. that has been great it's a really really good show um you can watch them i think they're on demand on comedy central you can certainly watch lots of individual sketches on on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I'm good for them for kind of like stopping stepping it. away at yeah. the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's, that's hard to do and not too many people do it. Well, and they have, they have other stuff going like, Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're making hot. a movie together. Yeah. Uh, they're making a couple movies together. Like one of them is based on the substitute teacher character from the show that mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, um, or I, sorry, Keegan, Michael Key plays. So yeah, Keegan Peele, Mark, watch it. Well, you can. Oh, okay. My choice. Uh, well, should I say, Ich nehme Deutschland oh, 83 or oh. that also means I choose no. Deutschland Um Let me say, first of all, this is absolutely true. Because of this show, I have rededicated myself to becoming fluent in German, and I have signed oh. up to take German classes at the Goethe Institute in downtown New York this wow. fall. Wow. So what a legacy. That's, like, that, that's TV changing your life or your Leben. 
is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yep. But uh, Deutschland 83 is Talk a show that I didn't know anything about and then was offered the opportunity to write about by you guys. And when I watched the pilot, I was like, oh, shit, it's so good. For those of you who don't know it, which is probably most of you because, I mean, it's on the Sundance channel. And they uh, aired is... outside of primetime, bizarrely. It airs at yeah, 11 they... on Sundance. <laughs> yeah, on like Friday night or some cra- – or like Wednesday. no, Wednesday night, but still. But still. Um, it, yeah, it is a show about – an. It's set in 1983, and it is a show about an East German soldier who is forced by his aunt, who is in the Secret Service, to become a spy against the West. And he has to go pose as a West German soldier who is infiltrating this military base. And he is forced to do this by being told that if he doesn't go do this, that his mother will not get a kidney transplant. Because in East Germany in 1983, if mama needs a kidney, the only way she's going to get that kidney is if six (laughs) or seven people go ahead and pull a string. Otherwise, baby, retain a fluid. That's your only option. So he ends up becoming a spy. And one of the things that makes the show so interesting is that while he is spying, he is also being exposed for the first time to all of this stuff in Western culture that he had never been aware of before. So he's becoming more and more aware of how much his life was deprived in the East. But at the same time, he can't quite help but notice that everyone in the West is also really fucked up. So you get this really great spy show with lots of cool things happening, but then you also get what I think is a very smart cultural analysis of the tensions between the haves and the have-nots, the East and the West, and all filtered through a show that has a peerless 1983 soundtrack mm-hmm. and has a lot of really great acting. And because it's the only German language television show to ever air regularly on an American network, you also get the pleasure of seeing an entire cast of actors that you don't recognize. And so it's a lot easier to fall into the world of the series because you have no prior conception of any of these people. And I have um, already seen the season finale because the aforementioned John Ramos and I will be talking about it um, later. We'll be talking about it for the site later this week. And it just, it's not a... It's not a perfect show, but the finale, I think, is really good. And I think that the it's a short first season that is really satisfying, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah, we've really been enjoying it, too. It's um, The soundtrack is amazing. John, the aforementioned John, wrote about it last week as a sort of, like, that's your, ent- that's your entry point is the music, which I think is a, a smart way to do it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and I didn't realize until it had been airing here for a few weeks that it actually has not aired in Germany yet. Oh, really? We got it first. Isn't that weird? Huh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Still a superpower, baby. <laughs> it's, the it's, last thing I will say... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it's for, for me, and as, as a watcher of the Americans, it's interesting to see that this era sort of represented um, in another... How, what things right. were, were happening in another part of the world. And also, like, my concept of what day-to-day life in East Germany in the 80s was like is nothing like what is portrayed in the show, like, to the point where in the first episode I was like, oh, people had houses? Like, that's how ignorant I am. <laughs> what? No, like, I thought they would have apartments and stuff, but, like, when you see they Soviet... spider holes? No, but when you see, like, I thought they were going to be in, like, shitty if Soviet tower blocks right. or something. Like, yeah, I didn't know and, that like, you could still wearing... have a nice house with a basement full of books. Everybody wearing cardboard skirts or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about... Uh, this show is that the uh, tradecraft, thank you, um, <laughs> is 
isn't over the top. Like it seems yeah. like the kind of stuff that a new spy would do and fuck up and learn on the job. You know, like it's not about going in and, you know, killing the president. It's about stealing a floppy disk from a hotel room. And not even right. knowing what a floppy disk is. And not yes. knowing what it is. Yeah. Um, that's what I really like. It really reminds me of sort of more low-key 70s spy thrillers, you know, than it's it's way more on that side of the spectrum than it is, say, you know, James Bond or mm-hmm. something like that, which it really does not, uh, you know, doesn't share much with. And uh, it's just, you're right, Mark, it's just such a smart spy show, but also just like an eye-opener about the culture that mm-hmm. not only existed in the eighties, but just like generally like for people in North America is sort of an eye opener because there's like an American character, American general that passes through many of the episodes that sort of represents, you know, American interests in the show and just, just sort of how they are bulldozing over policy and you kind of get a feeling for why there was so many, you know, peace protests and, and just general nuclear, you know, anti-nuclear protests at that time. It was mm-hmm. sort of like out of their hands it was being pressed upon them. And it's sort yeah. of like something you don't really appreciate, uh, you know, in, in, in North America. Uh, and there are actually the exception to the rule of their actors that you haven't seen before. There is one guy from the third season of Borgen who uh, has a role for a few episodes in the middle of this. So if you watch Borgen, you oh, forgive that me. guy. Who does no. he play? He plays the NATO guy who, uh, of desk oh. fame. <laughs> That's yes. all I'll say. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, think, I, I believe all the episodes are on Sundance's website. So if you want to catch up, you can. Go ahead, Mark. I think so. And the last thing I'll add is another thing I have loved and wasn't expecting to love about the show, because I wouldn't have anticipated this, is the development of the character of Alex, who is the general's son, mm-hmm. who is such a perfect little bitch he on really the show. Is. Like. <laughs> I mean, I know so many queens, and the character is gay, and he just is sort of coming to terms with his sexuality, and it's 1983, and he's just like, he is so perfect in that he's one of those young gay men who perhaps I have been in my own life, who when they get confused about their sexuality, act out in a way that forces everyone to pay attention to them. (laughs) And they've written him so perfectly, and the actor plays him so perfectly, that I absolutely believe every single one of his over-the-top story beats. And I said to my husband as we were watching it, that queen slaps somebody at least once a day. And I just really <laughs> love that in the in the midst of all of this spy craft, they've also found a way to write such a nuanced character Trade like craft. that Trade that craft. I don't recall seeing Look, before. Mark, I'm going to send you an craft. email sorry, from sorry, the guy. I'm so sorry. I'm so There's sorry. There's a guy, every time I say tr- uh, spycraft instead of tradecraft, he emails me and lets me know that I'm, I'm so wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, in the midst of all that tradecraft, mm-hmm. you also get this really nuanced character that you don't see very often. I also love that every time he has to store out, storm out of a room, he has to like rewrap his scarf around his yes. neck because he's always in a scarf. <laughs> yes. Honey, always in a scarf when he's not in his uniform. All right. Yeah. Shall I round us out? The Our, our yes. number three picks? My Please. number three pick is humans oh that's my number two pick humans heard of them thank you um this is the joint i think is it a joint or did the amc just buy it no i think it's joint yeah okay so joint amc uh channel four channel four in the uk uh i really like this show a lot it's it reminds me of utopia you know in its tone and sort of pacing and uh utopia being the british show not the Fox reality show that lasted three episodes or whatever. Yeah, uh, really smart show about since you know our kind of first our first true generation human uh, robots uh, who uh, are 
designed to do menial tasks and help us out, but there are a few sort of true robot people uh, since walking around. Who have consciousness. Yeah, and this is a story of them sort of trying to figure out how to survive, trying to figure out how to propagate the species as it, as it was because, mm-hmm. you know, they can't, you know, uh, make love and have babies. They have to figure out other ways to do it. And it's sort of the story about the inventor of those cysts. It, he sort of, you know, put something in each of uh, each of the five uh, special guys and uh, they're coming together to figure out what that is and how to sort of give other robots consciousness. There's a lot of stuff about, you know, uh, the story sort of takes place in this family who buys one of these robots uh, that sort of had her memory erased, but she's actually one of these special ones. And as the series develops, <laughs> she sort of wakes up and then all this crazy shit happens. Um, William Hurt's in it, uh, gives a really great performance. Um, it's uh, smart uh, in a non-Mr. Robot kind of way. <laughs> you know, it's not putting on airs. Yeah. It actually has some, you know... Uh, Good things to say, you know, without being too intellectual about it. Like it, it's 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 a enjoyable story driven, um, uh, you know, uh, think piece. Yeah, it comes at the question of what it means to be a person from a lot of different angles, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. And and one of those is unfortunately there was a rape storyline that's been really debated a lot on the boards with some people very invested in the idea that it's fine to have sex with synths. Like, or do you want to have sex with a synth? Cause you can't, they don't exist. But, uh, <laughs> so, um, that's one, one of the many angles, but it's, it's, a. Uh, it's a great show. It's so well acted, uh, really well cast all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we get to the end of the season, we're still two. There's still two more episodes yet to air in America. The season finale aired last night in the UK as we record this. Um, yeah, shit's going down. It's it's, been, it's getting really much more like thrillery as yeah. the, as we get to the end of the season. Um, but I have to say that for me, one of the things that makes me love the thriller aspect is it is so rooted in these characters that I really care about. And yeah. they've done such a good job of delineating all the relationships and not just in that core family, but even the secondary and tertiary characters. I feel like yep. I care about them. And um, I'm super like, invested oh, in Max. Max. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Odie. And Odie, the like... The guy in the William Hurts synth. I mean, he can't even feel, but I feel for him. And <laughs> I just, I really yeah. find the show to be so impressive. And it's like what you said, Dave, that there's no putting on of airs. The show yeah. is just so confident that it can play things quietly and still make them land. And one of my other favorite things about it is that that scene where a character we discover suddenly is not who we think he or she is. I'm mm-hmm. trying very carefully. Yep. No, I know but, what you're you talking know, about. Yep. And it involves the drinking of some wine. Yep. Like finding shit to do like that, the way that we discover that information was so surprising to me. Yeah. And taking a fairly familiar premise and then still finding ways to make it feel fresh is pretty great. And I also have developing this larger theory now that between this and Orphan Black, it's like a really, there's something really important happening in television right now where we're really investigating like you said tara what it means to be a human being and what it means to be an individual or not and i just feel like those two shows are in some sort of interesting conversation with each other and they're both very good and i enjoy thinking about that as well 
Uh, I'll also say for, that I gather from our forums threads about it that AMC is cutting a lot of stuff that is in the British version, mm. which we have flown to England to watch. Oh, yeah. Through so, methods. Through methods. So um, if you have that capability, you should try and watch the, the British ones because apparently they're leaving out some pretty important stuff. There's the matter of Pete, you know, Pete the cop, his wife, yep. and her synth. Apparently that all was cut no out. No way, last, really? The last episode, oh, yeah. Oh, man. What? I'm glad I watched the uh, the British version then because that shit was really good. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, that's surprising. So that's just a little programming note uh, from us to you. So yeah, that was, my wow. number, that was my number two pick. So good choice, Dave. All right. Let's go with our number two picks. Mark, we'll start off with you. Well, uh, apparently this is a great time also not only for shows about what it means to be human, but also shows that allow Ronald Reagan to play a role because my number two pick <laughs> is a late breaking favorite, Wet Hot American Summer, nice. first day of camp. Mark, <laughs> also I, my number two pick. Hey! Oh, sweet, dude. Um, I've only watched the first four. And before I get started, I have to say, have you, have you, who here has seen the episode where they all audition for the musical? We yep. think we watched. All yeah, of them. we watched. It I have. Yeah, so that character Logan, who initially <laughs> gets cast, but then Paul Rudd takes the part. <gasps> yep, Logan my favorite looks part like so far. He does a little. Yeah, so yeah. Logan yeah. looks like me in a way that I it. found a little upsetting, and I made Andrew <laughs> confirm. Andrew, my husband, confirmed that I'm not crazy, and he was like, "Oh no, that looks like you." So, <laughs> you guys, that's all I'm saying. Okay. But I just, I just think that this show, first of all, most importantly, the show is so fucking funny. Yep. Like. The, it, it, and and I, I, I say this as someone who has seen the movie about easily eight times. I mm. actually think that they have, that this is tonally better than the movie. Yeah. That they don't feel like – there's not so much randomness for the sake of randomness, but there's still a lot of unexpected stuff happening. And it's like there's a joke in every corner of the frame. And I just feel like that the cast – like Janine Garofalo, for instance, is giving such a good performance. And these these people are giving performances that I'm like – Wow, I already knew I liked you, but this is so good. <laughs> and I just love the confidence that they'll have where like they'll take these ridiculous jokes and they'll play them with such confidence that I love them. Like when Elizabeth Banks just puts on a beret and suddenly she looks like she's 16 <laughs> and everyone's just like, "You know, yeah, that's exactly right. Oh my god, it's amazing. I've everything has changed." Like that shit is hilarious to me. And I also just love the fact that there are so many stories happening, but they seem like that they're all being managed well. So I yeah. don't yeah. feel like I'm getting lost. Yeah. And like, I, I really like the fact that they spend a good four or five minutes uh, in the episode I just watched this morning uh, explaining the backstory of David Hyde Pierce's character. <laughs> the fact that they let it develop for such a long time means that even though oh that story is out of control, I just love it so much. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it really, this... It, I honestly feel like I might end up watching these eight episodes again, like right away. I, I really am enjoying it that much. But all like the balance between all the storylines is so good. Like, think about like what's the lead story of this series? Like, it's so well balanced that it's like it's everything. It's impossible to say. Yeah, like, it's, it's not the goo. It's not the uh, the hermit you know, artist. It's yeah. like everything works together, and it's like such a delicate balancing act. I, I'm really impressed that they pulled it off. Well, especially so soon after Arrested Development came on oh, Netflix yeah. and bummed us all out with yeah. how oh, overwrought yes. it was. Yeah, like this. The, considering how complex it is, it really does have a lightness to it that is surprising the and refreshing. Only, the only beat that I thought missed the mark was all the Ronald Reagan stuff. 
Huh. I thought yeah. that was like like uh, Michael was a Showalter. He's, yeah. he's like yeah. he really wanted to play Reagan or something. They just didn't like. <laughs> it's not a good imitation, and and yeah. it wasn't well written. That's all. That's the only like thing that sticks out to me. Like I wish they rethought, but you know, in a you know for uh, whatever it is, you know, four hours of of comedy, um, that's pretty good track record. Yep. Yeah. Um, Did you all guys? Right. Um... One thing I want to say, I don't know if you know this, I just learned this this morning. The scene where John Hamm is in the uh, convenience store or whatever, mm-hmm. and those kids come in and taunt him, those kids are played by the kids who were the indoor kids in the movie uh, that are David <laughs> Hyde Pierce's little friends. Really? That's wow. amazing. That's it's awesome. All for, they brought them all back to play in that one scene. So I just thought that was awesome. That's cool. Amazing. All right, Sarah, what's your number two? Uh, okay. My number two. Let's see. talk about your number two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, is playing house. I know oh, it's not back yet. That's my number very, one. Very excited oh. for it to come back. And here's a little peek behind uh, the curtain of my uh, marriage to Tara. Um, and I am going to speak for her because I know she does this too. Cause she mm-hmm. admitted it to me. Whenever one of us like I am the other one is like, so I have news. <laughs> the other one like secretly has this like tiny little thrill of terror that she's going to say she's pregnant. <laughs> There's like a less than zero chance that that will ever occur on either side. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. And with, you know, all due credit to parents and you are our heroes, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, Hey, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> this is like the, through the looking glass, like version of what would happen if one of us like had a psychotic break <laughs> for six to 10 months and decided to carry a baby to term and keep it. This is what it would look like, except um, my hair is not nearly that good. <laughs> um, but yay, that's, that would be a bonus. But yeah, I love the show. I love their relationship. I love like sitcoms are hard for me. And um, I feel like a lot of TVs, ideas about um female friendships are based on nothing i recognize yeah as life and i just think the the tertiary characters are so funny on that show but without being too like i don't see anyone like turning into a kramer and Mm -mm, like i am really i was so excited and gratified that it got renewed and i am very excited for it to come back we watched oh my god i can't wait we watched the first two episodes last week because yep. um, they're on the screener site, Sarah. Uh, they're on NBC Hi. Media Village if you don't want to wait until tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> I don't. They're so good. You never know when a show like that is going to come back, even if you liked every single thing about season one. Um, but like right from the first scene of the first episode of the season, it's like it's it's incredible how much funny they packed into like a three minute cold open. Like doesn't just recap all of season one in a way that like if you hadn't been watching it somehow, it would tell you like the premise of the show and how it came about. But also like establishes what those characters are like in such a wonderful, economical, hilarious way. And I will also say when you said no one's in danger of becoming a Kramer, I thought toward the end of season one, maybe Bruce, who is Maggie's ex-husband, uh, yeah. was maybe edging toward that. But they give him a really great few scenes in these at least first two episodes, which are airing back to back as we record this tomorrow. Um, they give him a great scene with his mom. <laughs> They're so good together. They're so funny together. Yeah. If you remember his mom, she's the like the really rough lady who played um, Max mom on um, <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But she's they, they're making sauce and it's like a whole thing. 
Um, and then he also gets a good scene in the next episode, a good storyline in the episode after that with um, Zach Woods, who plays Maggie's brother, and they're looking mm. after the baby while the others go up. But it's 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 comes back so strong. If you somehow slept on this show. I feel sorry for you, but the good news is you can start watching season two and improve your life immediately. So, yeah. And they're marathoning it like as we speak, so get mm-hmm. some. Yeah, it's on USA uh, Tuesdays at 10. And uh, the first first week, tomorrow as we record this, it's two back-to-back, like I said. After that, it's just one and then a modern family, like who, why? But anyway, yeah. yeah. All right, Tara, round us, uh, finish us off on number two. Um, I already said my number two, it's humans. Oh, then guess what, guys? We're on to number one. Sorry, Tara, did I cut you off? Yes. Going to say something? Yes. Going to say my number one is Playing House. Yes, we already said that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Number one for Tara, Playing House. (laughs) Number one for Mark is. Uh, well, let me say that I can't wait to watch Playing House, and it really makes me so happy to hear that season two is so good, because I love season one. Now, my number one is the aforementioned humans. Hey! Hey! <laughs> All right. And Sarah, what's me? your number one? Um, well, mine, uh, we've been talking a lot about how our shows seem to have this common thread about what it means to be human beings. Uh, I think they also have uh, what it means to be a family. Uh, Playing House certainly has that. And yep. my number one, Rectify, oh, good uh, choice. definitely has that. What it, what it means to be a human being, what it means to be free, what it means to be a family and how you, how you find and build and rebuild families. Uh, in case you're not familiar with the, this show, it is in its third season, but its seasons can be sort of teeny and fleeting on the Sundance channel and it concerns uh, this character Daniel who was convicted of a murder that he sort of they leave it ambiguous as to whether he actually committed it but it um, he is freed in the very first episode uh, and it's his sort of adjustment to his life and then it's everyone else's adjustment to his life like he's freed from death row and then mm-hmm. his family has sort of gotten used to him being there and has to make room for him and then his sister amantha and this is absolutely the most fearless performance in the world yeah except it's not even the most fearless performance on the show (laughs) i'm very angry at the emmy nominators but anyway uh she has fought tirelessly to get him freed and to get this conviction reversed or vacated and then once it happens she's just completely bitter and has missed a bunch of opportunities and threw her entire life into getting this done. And he's kind of like, okay, well, thanks, but I'm completely not equipped to be out here and everything's weird. And I'm going to have sex with this lady at her um, hair salon. And I mean, <laughs> the, like every reaction that he has and that his family has is just very real and felt. And uh, the pacing kind of takes its time and, it's really a great show. I don't, um, they're on the sort of eve of Daniel, like, per, whatever, said he did it in order to just close the case, but he's being, like, literally banished from the state of Georgia. And I'm very interested to see whether they go through with that and how the show shapes up after that. I'm completely confident that whatever they decide will be great, but it's a wonderful show. It can be a little rough, it's not cheery. It's not power yeah, it's, puffy. It's not a it's fun good. time, <clears throat> but it's it's so worth 
worth the effort of watching it because sometimes it does feel like an effort like it is it's grim but um yeah it's beautifully cast really well written ray mckinnon formerly of deadwood playing my favorite character on deadwood ever um created the show and and writes it and uh apparently every season says he doesn't want to do it again and then they keep renewing and he's like fuck according to the panel that i saw at atx festival um where they also talked about whether somebody asked does daniel does aiden young know whether Daniel did it and does Ray McKinnon do it and no and they were very vague about their answers but I, I I don't know if we will ever find out either of those yeah and I think that's very I think that's very real also that yeah. that's not life that you sort of get closure or like solve the case it's just mm-hmm. like you have to figure out how to live with a thing that happened even mm-hmm. if you don't know everything about it so yep. it's great yep all right so to recap Mark number one show humans yep Sarah's rectify Tar is playing house, and my number one was Deutschland 83. Wow. Okay. Really love that show a lot. It's uh, We might have a surprise winner here. I'm not not (laughs) sure. Here we go. I have the tally. Our summer ace, edging out by one point with a total of six points, is Humans. Hey, heard of them! them. And I think it's an app for a very strong summer season that coming in with uh, right behind by a margin of one point, playing house. Nice. And then at four points, a two-way tie between Wet Hot American Summer and Deutschland 83. So, really uh, strong season. This It's been really good. I had a lot of I can't remember goods. a better summer TV. No, I really yeah, had a hard time. Yeah, my list is actually really long, and I agonized over it. So. Me too. <laughs> my, I had Halt and Catch Fire, like, in it and out and in and out a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really been... <laughs> I mean, you, I don't Shut think... Shut Sarah, grow up. <laughs> you can't go wrong with any nope. of the picks. So, if you haven't been watching yeah. any of these, and you got yourself some time, uh, you know, uh, hook yourself up on Netflix or, or Hulu or whatever, and uh, get watching. Mm-hmm. All right. Stay indoors, kids, and watch TV. Hi, Katie. Yes, you, Katie. I'm going to say Katie a few more times to make sure you're paying attention. Katie! 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 Katie. It's Sarah here, speaking through SDB Cooper. You introduced (laughs) me to Extra Hot Great, and I'm extra hot grateful. Oh, God, that was horrible. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, happy birthday. I know you don't like a fuss. Go ahead. So I thought I'd publicly say happy birthday on your favorite podcast. Have a great day. From Sarah Cooper. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, Katie. Katie. Hello, Livy. Hi, Mom. It's been a while since we've been together to watch Face Off, hasn't it? It's been a while. It has been a good break. Yes. Did you, like, find a job or anything? <laughs> Is that a no? I'm thinking. Okay. Um, but you did turn a whole year older. You're seven now. Yeah. And you learned how to ride a bike, so I think it's been pretty successful. Nice. I think it has been, too. All right. Let's get into Season 9, Episode 1 of... Face Off. Yes. <laughs> so they started right away. Did they have a foundation challenge this time? Nope, just spotlight, no opportunity, no nothing. 
just go home. Yep. Right into <laughs> the uh, regular challenge, so there's no opportunity to have <laughs> immunity. What's immunity? When you won't get eliminated next time. Even if you're bad. Right. <laughs> so what was the challenge? It was to make an animal alien. And they had to use two models to make one creature. Yep. And what did they use for their inspiration? Do you know where they went? Do you remember? A museum. Mm-hmm. And they used materials from every corner of the world. And so they went right in there. And was it a team challenge or on their own? It was a team of two challenge. It's not anything like tie their legs together and they had to do some sort of work. Just like <laughs> work together to make a concept. Con- what do you call it? Concept. Concept. Is that what you're going for? Yes. Okay. And um, was there anyone that you liked a whole lot or or didn't like at all? Well, I like I liked Ricky and Jasmine the most. Second, Jordan and Ben. Well, Ricky and Jasmine used alligator skin. Jordan and Ben used it. I can't read that. I don't know. Azurite and Malachite. I wasn't really paying attention at that part. <laughs> and Omar and Kevin the clam. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Everyone who there is this season. No, we can figure that out throughout the season because there are way too many people right now. There's only 16. That's lots. So let's talk about that clown. Did- AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! Make it into the top or the bottom? Bottom. Yeah. Why did you think that it was so awesome? I think it was nice because I thought it was cool, the opening from the clam and then, like, the colors. It didn't help, but I thought it was nice. Yeah, because you liked the pink and the shading. Yes. Yeah. Um, Who were in the top groups this week? It was Evan. Evan. 
Evan and Sydney, the Sashore Squirrel Tourmaline. I don't know. I think it was a gem or something. And then Jordan and Ben, the something. Right, the Azurite Malachite. Also a gem? Tara's probably making fun of me right now. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Don't do that to your younger sister. Not nice. Thanks, Liv. Jeez. And um, in the top were Jordan and Ben, and Ben won because of his... Face and elephant feet. <laughs> right, and the painting job that he did. And then it was time to get rid of somebody, and everybody was on the stage, and they were almost crying, and who got eliminated? No one. Whoa, did you like that? It was funny. I think it was because the first challenge, they were going to see... If they were going to fall for it, mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. But, like, it's the first challenge. Come on, give them a chance. Right. Who would you have eliminated if you had to? Um, I would eliminate Omar and Kevin. I liked them, but, like, the judges didn't. And I, but, like, also Stevie and Libby were very bad. So you trust the judge's uh, ability to make that decision? Yes, because I think that both of them were good, but if I had to, it would be Stevie and Libby, just because I kind of liked Omar and Kevin's clan. Right. Well, thank you for joining me this week for Face Off, and I'm really looking forward to this season and chatting with you. Already done. Yeah, there was only one week. Talk to you later. (laughs) See you soon, Mom. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Sarah, that was the closest to lined up that I think you've ever been. I've been thinking about this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, here's what happened this week on Fucking Under the Dome. So... They decided to do a 32 short films about Under the Dome where they each act of the episode was you were following a different set of characters through the same span of time. And what Rest was happening? On. Yeah, except except not even because you were just like switching from one set of people to another. So it's not even like it seemed like this. To, it's not even like the affair. Like it's just dumb. I assume they were trying to save money on sets. So what ha- what they were all reacting to was what seems to be um, extinction-level meteor strike, which has set the entire world on fire outside the dome. Everyone in the dome is fine. The Are dome has protected me? them. No, I'm not. Wait, what? Meteors have struck outside the dome. Everyone, as far as everyone knows, there. Everyone is assuming that the rest of humanity out of the outside of the dome is dead. Like, oh. no, I, I heard you. No, okay. <laughs> Just okay, continue. So, and yet, so it, like they've spent. You know, I think the first meteors come down at like one something in the morning, and then by the time we're at the end of the episode, it's eight something in the morning. So, in that seven hours, some of the few survivors that somehow I guess went to their 1950s era bomb shelter and lived have gotten out and they drive to the edge of the dome and then they're like pounding on the dome like let us in so this is a simpsons episode yes but the other thing is like yes but but this highlights my whole point which is like normally they never 
acknowledge that there even is an outside world. Like, this is something that I've had a problem with since season one. If there really were a dome, it would be surrounded by people all the time because it would be the craziest fucking thing that had ever happened. Seriously. And yet on the show, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's a dome like two towns over. It's weird. Anyway, I got to go to work. Like there's no acknowledgement of like how other people are reacting to it at all. Inclu- up to and including in season two when someone, someone Barbie, figured out how to get out of the dome through this this door that Pauline painted a picture of and you go through it and then you end up on someone's land in Zenith. Then when he goes to this other town, oh Zenith, there's a b- billboard up that's like day 17 of the dome crisis. And like, what? So who's reporting on it? Why don't we ever see the person outside the dome giving a dome report? Anyway, this is also the episode where Mark Helgenberger's character, Christine, spent the entire thing in a cocoon until the very end when her hand crawled out. So it's like, I guess she wanted to go to the spa that week because she was not in it, except for maybe her hand. Probably not. Probably Um, not, because then they have to pay her. Yeah. Also in uh, Money Saving News, we also have a whole uh, hand-to-hand battle that takes place in almost complete darkness in the cave underground so that you don't know what is Did someone else's hand escape? And it's... Was it just her hand? Like, the thing from... That's all we see coming out out of the cocoon covered in dome goo. So, okay. okay, Please, I welcome your questions. So, is this like another shared vision? Or did actually, like, these meteors hit and Earth is wiped out? As far as we know, as of this moment, Uh this is actually happening. Okay. Whether it's a projection on the outside of the dome to trick people inside the dome into thinking that it's... Right. There's a wall of flames. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff was also prophesied by people in season two who were crazy and have subsequently died. The Dwight Yoakam character, who apparently went to high school with Sherry Stringfield's character, explained that one. Yeah, him. Yeah. Wow. All right. Amazing. How many more episodes do we have to go? Uh, I think six. That was episode (laughs) seven. So many. I know, but that's over the hump. That was the midpoint. All right. So now there's fewer left than I have already handled. Congratulations. Thanks. All right, everybody. Today, we want to tell you about It's a Duck Blur. It's a Duck Blur is a podcast where husband and wife team, Michael and Sarah, watch every episode of DuckTales and then talk about them. Let's have a little listen to a clip from their show. That's when Jire really loses it. And he's like, Gadget Man. That's all anyone thinks I am. Do this, Mr. Gadget Man. Do that, Mr. Gadget Man. You keep saying Gadget Man. Yeah. I think we could put in like a like a Rocket Man type song. <laughs> and I think it's gonna be a long, long time to the people of Duckburg treat me kind. Not just Duckburg, you'll fix their phones. Oh, no, no, no. They call me Gadget Man. Gadget Man, putting my bulbs on everything. Oh. oh man, I'm gonna have to uh, step up my singing game on Extra Hot Great, I think. Um, there are already 26 episodes, so load them up for nice. your next road trip or start a DuckTales rewatch and listen as you go along. It is available on iTunes and Stitcher or search for It's a Duck Blur in your favorite podcasting app. For more info, visit It's a Duck or previously.tv slash duck, which will fly you to their site. Ah, oh, that's nice of you. Our thanks to It's a Duck Blur podcast. 
Well, we're in for a treat today. We have dispensed with the canon and we brought in for this week the Nonak. That is the shadowy reflection of the canon. We're talking about the worst episode of an otherwise good show. So, Mark, yes. tell us what we're in for. Well, let me tell you that when I was first approached about doing the Nonak, I thought, oh, no, but I try so hard to be positive. I don't know if I would really enjoy tearing <laughs> apart a... Oh, wait. Yes, <laughs> So I feel like that my selection today is less about an episode that is flagrantly terrible. You know, it's not like somebody falls down an elevator shaft or, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's more about an episode that takes together all of the little pieces that make otherwise good episodes of a show bad and puts them all in one place. (laughs) And I'm talking about Season 5, Episode 3 of Downton Abbey. Now, Downton Abbey is not a great show. It's not like a timeless classic or anything, but it's a good show. Like, it's fun and sexy and there's romps and there's good acting on it and Maggie Smith is a bitch and I love that and it's great. (laughs) You know, it's fine. But there is there are certainly things that happen in Downton Abbey and have happened since the beginning that are frustrating. But I swear to God, season five, episode three brings every shitty thing into one steaming bowl and leaves out <laughs> all of the things that expiate those shitty things. And so I remember even as I watched it uh, earlier this year that I was like, that was the worst piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, and it was right around – and I remember thinking uh, at, at the end of the season, if they had not announced that next season was the last season, this episode actually might have gotten me off the train completely. Whoa. But whatever. I'm not going to give up now. But I just want to break down for you, if I may, esteemed panel, why I think that this episode, which of course is nameless because Julian Fellows can't be bothered to give the episode's names, but why I think this episode deserves to be in the Nonak. Point the first. <laughs> this episode, I'm, I'm going to break it down. There, there are a couple of things that I think that um, Downton Abbey does poorly or irritatingly, and I'm going to break them down for you one by one because, as I said, this episode has them all. Point the first. The show loves to shoehorn in some bullshit social commentary <laughs> that is supposed to be about 2015, but is also, you know, it's really about now, but it's supposed to be about then. They front like it's about then. That shit makes me insane. I'm like, Julian Fellows, you are really powerful, and you have a lot of clout. If you want to write a show about some stuff that's happening now that makes you mad, why don't you go ahead and write it? Instead, however, we get this subplot that gets introduced in which Mrs. Patmore, the Downton Abbey chef, finds out that her... um, nephew is not going to be listed on in town of lo- on the list of local heroes for World War One because he was a deserter. And she's hoping that his name can be included on the wall or the memorial that's going to be put up near Downton. And so she asks uh, Mrs. Hughes if she will sweet talk Mr. Carson into getting her nephew's name on the wall. And Mr. Carson, because this is the way he is required to react in all situations, at first is gruff about changing tradition, which leads to Mrs. Hughes and Mr. Carson having this conversation. Add the name of a coward to our memorial. Are you quite well? Mr. Carson, surely by now we know enough about shell shock to be more understanding than we were at the start of the war. What? Mm -hmm. And kids these days always on their telegrams. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Carson, people after they have in the post- 
In, in the, after a trauma, <laughs> they have a stress disorder, Mr. Carson. Don't you know? That's what I've been hearing down at the shop. And then I, there's no, you, you, there's no clip of the it. the leprechaun I know. Well, whatever. So, apologies to delicious. the... Um, but then the... Uh, then there's also in this episode the introduction of this other subplot where Thomas, our resident evil gay, yep. sends away for some sort of potion that will make him not gay anymore. And they don't really fully explain what's going on in this episode. But At all. This... At this point, I thought it was like no. it was like the ad is obviously deliberately vague, but it's like, I want to take control of my life. Like, are you applying for another job? Like, I have yes, no idea like, what is happening. Or are you going to go become a theosophist or like at seances <laughs> and shit? But, but, but the, the, it's like the evil seed is planted in this episode where he like starts injecting himself with some sort of anti-gay poison and it's just like oh my god (laughs) exodus international ministries did not even exist at the time please so then so there's that element then we get what i like to call the same old shit syndrome which is that every single major plot point of the first season has just been reiterated over and over ad nauseum yep Two in particular that I'd like to call out to our attention today, ladies and gentlemen. The first is whether or not Mary is a whore. <laughs> um, you may remember that in the first season she fucked a guy to death, and now Pamuk? she seems. <laughs> now- Pamuk. Yep. Yes, Pamuk, Mister Pamuk, who ended up being in something else that I saw later, but I can't remember. Golden Boy. He's in Divergent. That's right. He's That's also right. in the two-episode Golden Boy series. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he was so- in Mary's butt. Yep. And uh, now Miss, uh, Mary is – she's getting her summertime man, and it's, she's she has snuck off with him to some other town, and uh, they're maybe going to get married, and but maybe she is, and maybe she is, and it's just the endless back and forth of Mary and her – and her lady parts and who's going to get to claim them. And it's just endless. And uh, then of course we have Mr. Spratt, uh, Maggie Smith's, or I'm sorry, uh, Violet Count, the Dowager Countess's butler just happens to be standing outside this faraway hotel when Mary and her latest conquest come strolling out. And it's, so it's not only is it the same old shit, but it's like the most overwrought plot device to have him conveniently standing there. And then you hear him have this conversation with the Dowager Countess when he really wants to spill the beans. (laughs) I'm glad if the wedding was a success. Oh, the wedding was a success? Yes? Spratt, I have told you before, I do not appreciate a man of mystery. If you have something to say, say it. I would, your ladyship, but... It may not be quite right for me to tell. Well, if that is the case, then do not say it. Do you have some other business? Only that it may not be mine to tell, but it is in a way yours. Okay, and the writing here really underscores something else that drives me fucking crazy with this episode in particular. Just say it. Every single damn scene. It's like, I've got to tell you, but I can't tell you yet. <laughs> yeah. We have a bit of porridge first. And it's just like, oh my god. I know that you had to fill up an entire season with scripts and shit, but just get to the point. Drives me crazy. Okay, then we have what I consider to be the... To, 
to borrow a phrase from the Latin, ne plus ultra of same old shit, which is yet another fucking murder plot that Mr. Bates may be involved in so that we can all just stand around and look at him nobly suffering. Oh, but oh, but Mrs. Bates, I'm so sad. And everything you've ever done for me, they'll never appreciate it, but I will. Oh, Mr. Bates, you'll go to prison. And it's just everything over and over again and again. And it's like his unfailing nobility and her unfailing nobility. And Joanne Froggett is a good actress, and yeah. I'm not even upset that she got an Emmy nomination for this season. She was good, but I'm just like, are you kidding me with this again? And this is the moment, oh my god, this is the moment where I really feel like Julian Fellows actually says to the audience through his own dialogue, you're right, I just don't know what else to say. So we hear this <laughs> clip. I don't know why Mr. Green would want to make trouble for you. Well, I never liked him, so I suppose he never liked me. Yes, but to invent a quarrel, then tell the world about it. It's as if he were expecting me to make trouble first. And so he was covering himself in case I did. It does seem like that, doesn't it? (laughs) You mean it does seem like someone is stretching in a really unbelievable way to create some trumped-up drama, Julian Fellows? (laughs) And you'll notice, too, that you heard the strains of the meaningful violins under the the end of that segment. And I was just like, no, Queen. Let me also point out to you that Mr. Green, (laughs) the person who he's accused of killing is a rapist who was pushed in front of a streetcar. So we're already talking about some Dickensian-level madness. And then before he got pushed in front of a streetcar, he took the time to create an entire fictional feud with Mr. Bates, just sort of like in case of death or emergency, break here. The fact that he like had the foresight, I might get murdered, but I still want to fuck this guy. Can't take it. Okay, then we get to the reason that I chose this episode especially, which is the whole... I'm actually in such a rage that I've just lost this character's name. Uh, what's her name, the woman with the secret? Baxter. R- uh, Baxter, yeah. Baxter. Could you narrow Thank it you. down Sorry. at all? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good point, Sarah. Baxter. So this episode is the episode that, and I use the term loosely, pays off the storyline <laughs> about Baxter's secret. And we never know exactly how she and Thomas know each other, but he has been lording this secret over her all fucking season. And every and episode... Last season she's, two! It's, it's I mean, started seriously. in season four. <laughs> I mean, it basically started during the American Revolution at this <laughs> yes. point. And yes. every episode, she's like... Oh, Mr. Mosley, I know you want to love me, but you'd never love me if you knew. And then, like, Mrs. Padmore comes in with some pudding, and they can't talk about it anymore, and some shit gets dragged out. Well, then, then finally, somehow, everybody gets word of it. The, the episode finally decides that it's time for Baxter to talk, especially because Cora has learned. But then we get this exchange. <laughs> Milady, I hope you don't mind, but I would like to know whether I'm staying or going. You're right, I have made you wait an unreasonable time. I just feel I need to plan if you've come to a decision. I have. I think I have. Tomorrow I want you to tell me the missing element of your story. If you do, I've made you wait an un- That's bullshit. I've, I've made you wait an unreasonable amount of time, but let's talk tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, Julian Fellows. Okay. And then you find out that the big secret is not that she killed... I mean, this is a show where the secrets include, I fucked someone to death. 
I have a baby that I'm pretending is not my baby, but I'm taking care of it. This is a show where those are the levels of state secrets that we're talking about. But then we find out that all Miss Baxter did was steal a necklace from somebody. Okay. <laughs> but then it's like literally all she did. It was like, you know, oh my God. And not so only then, that, but she makes sure to say he wanted me to take more, but I didn't like I know. Job. It's like, I, she wasn't even she wasn't even good at being a cat burglar. Seriously, it's like, ah, he wanted me to take all of the jewels, but I only took the wee necklace and there was a tiara there that I left behind. You're really oh my proud God. of your so, Irish accent, Mark. Thank you. It's just, it's a rage accent at this point. And I do apologize to the fine people of Ireland who are in my genes, in my DNA. Uh, sorry. Then, Forgiveness, then, please. <laughs> exactly. But then we get to the point where you could tell that the Julian Fellows has decided he has to script a climax into her confession this is the climax that he gives baxter in her big confession which she had to wait overnight to finally give to cora he was nasty and he made me nasty and i embraced it tell me about the robbery he handed in his notice and on his last night i took the jewels he wanted them all but i only took some and he gave them to him and he left he said we had to meet him the next day and i thought he'd be there but he never came I'm, I'm sorry. I <laughs> fell a fucking sleep listening to that. Although I loved that Janet Jackson cue, and I that was for you, Mark. For that, <clears throat> thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Oh my god, the fake snoring has also made me <clears throat> cough. Uh-oh. Anyway, the point is that is literally what we led up to. The I kind of did it, but I kind of didn't do it. Unacceptable. I will say though, <clears throat> so that's why I think that this episode should be in the known act because it really encapsulates all of the worst elements of the show all in one putrid package but i will say as is so often the case mrs oh and actually before i get to this then at the very end they do this big gotcha where they reveal oh at the very end miss uh this is when violet or the the dowager countess meets her russian lover from the past and i actually liked that storyline but the way that they introduce it here is it all at the very last minute it's like some big cliffhanger like oh i knew him and i'm just like what you uh, just the, the the ham-handedness with which they introduce that is drives me crazy. But I will say that as she so often does, Mrs. Patmore's one-liners do at least give us a small ray of sunshine. And though I do think this episode deserves to be in the nonac, I do have to give praise to the following. That's enough, Daisy. Come and carry the spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, that phrase got me laid in college so many times. <laughs> Anyway, that is my argument against this episode, or I should say for this episode, to be forever shamed in the Nonak. Yeah. All right. Who wants to uh, lead off discussion? Well, I'll go last because I had to cover this for the site. So All right. I, I feel like um, I have a... The Sarah Bunting that he failed to mention, thank God, uh, can start if you would like. Please. <laughs> um I was really not convinced going into rewatching this episode that this was going to be quite bad enough. For the Nonak, but it is. Um, <laughs> it was by turns boring and like teeth gnashingly frustrating. Like mm-hmm. my notes are just like, oh, this. Oh, that thing. This thing again? And then my stupid, horrible namesake is doing something pinko-ish or whatever it is she's doing. <laughs> That's I all she does. That's literally all she does. I know. This is the only reason I started watching the show. And by the time she gets like anything sort of significant to do... Everyone is so annoying that she doesn't even stick out that much as being an idiot. But, like, it really is the plot recyclotron. Like, I'm sure there must have been something in there 
about like, well, but we might uh, lose the estate because Lord Grantham doesn't know arithmetic. Like, oh, there like was, that. because we're not going to build 40 houses on the estate, even though, yeah, ex- yes, there was. Like, goddamn stupid Edith. And you're just like, like, sometimes I would realize watching this whole season, actually, the last episode is still sitting on my DVR. I don't know why I don't just delete it. But it's like, first of all, I can read Tara's particles and they're so much better and say anything that I would think and save me a lot of time. But it just, like, sometimes I would pause it and realize not only did I not have really any idea what had just happened, but I wasn't even sure what season it was. Like, it could have recorded, like, season two, and it's like, unless whatever Matthew wanders through a scene, I have no idea when it is, because there's always some, like, ballad of Reading Jail thing with the Bateses and everyone looking pinched, and then Thomas is injecting himself with silver polish, and I just don't give a shit, because it drags on and on, and that Baxter thing, I was like... It's just really a like a fuck you yeah, to the audience. It really is. This yeah, I mean the the one sort of qualm that I still had with no knacking this guy is that this isn't actually that much worse than any of the other fifth series episodes, but it's pretty terrible and it made me mad all over again. <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs> Totally agree with you, Sarah. And there is a scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I can't remember what leads up to it, but basically there's there's just like hundreds of people on the hillside and they're all screaming, get on with it! <laughs> and that was like, as soon as I realized what this episode was, that was like, oh, okay, that's what comes to my head. That's the scene. And that is it. Like every beat, every uh, plot line in this episode has been going on for. Ever and there's no resolution to like anything and 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 well except for the Baxter one which is like what the fuck what <laughs> and I know like you're British and you have to communicate by cross stitching and you can't say anything <laughs> openly but it still should not be fucking taking this long exactly and I know I've made you wait an unreasonably long time talk to me tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah like what like seriously and what she's the fuck? American she has no excuse. <laughs> When when I heard you were going to do uh, Downton Abbey for the Known Act, there was like my immediate thought was, oh, I'm maybe like one of the melted Canadian episodes, right? Remember oh, that yes. plot? <laughs> the mysterious yes, Titanic yes, survivor yes. melted Canadian face guy, which yes, was sure. terrible. Gordon. And they just, back in the days when they're like, oh, fuck, this is a working eject, punk. And they would do that. And that storyline just like ended all of a sudden. Like it was yeah. just like you could tell it was supposed to go longer. And then I was like, well, it's probably that, because that, like, that's the memorable moment, right? And then you, I saw what you picked. I'm like, oh, of course. Because like, even though, like, as Sarah said, like, like, almost all of the season has the same problem. Like, this is so emblematic of, of the later episodes of this, of this show's yeah. problem, where it's just spinning its wheels. And that's Completely. all it's doing. Yes. Like, that's seriously all it's doing. And it's just bringing up stuff again and again. Like, oh, Bates is in trouble again. You know, like, like how many times is he going to be interviewed by the police about some shit he did <laughs> in London before, like, somebody says, you know what? This guy might be a liability to the estate. Maybe we should <laughs> ankle him. And it's just, and like, As he's such were. an unsympathetic character. And he makes, like... What used to be a sympathetic character, his wife, uh, like, I don't care. Like, she can, like, go poochie to her home planet now, too, by association. (laughs) So I think it's a great pick. Um, It's, like, you're right. Like, there's no, I mean, maybe the Baxter wait till tomorrow thing is a great one moment. But there's no, like, you know, 
one thing where you're like, oh yeah, fuck that. It's like, it's poochy. But it's just like, it's all just so frustrating. Tara. And isn't there something where Daisy is learning? Yes, yes. that's why Sarah because Bunting is there. Her fucking farm thing that no one cares about. Like, either leave or don't. But everyone's like, well, once you reach the age of majority, like, she's got to be 33 by now. Yeah. I'm yep. sorry, no, Tara. No, totally. I really have very little to add. The... Um, uh, the thing that bothered me, and I wrote about this in my post because I, after we watched this, I reread it. But like, who is fact checking memorials? Like, why? Why couldn't they? How much did the people from Mrs. Patmore's hometown travel to Downton? And if they did, would the first thing they do go be to go and look at and see if Archie's name is on that thing? Like. Who cares? Just say he did. Even if say it, say his name is there, even if it isn't. Or just who slip, cares? Slip the chiseler guy, you know, a ten pound note. <laughs> that was my Once favorite there, particle in there. Was like memorials. Fuck them. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> fuck <laughs> way too much trouble. They are they, they're nothing but trouble. They started as trouble, but yeah, like when you think of when you look back at this episode, when you get to the end of it, and it's like. What has actually happened to progress the plot of this season? Literally, the only thing is, I mean, other than the revelation of Baxter's secret, which any sensible person could have guessed, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's so unscandalous. Didn't change anybody's fortunes. Didn't change. And also, we knew that from the episode before, because Thomas had already told Molesley to, like, blow up her spot, and he didn't care. So it's like, we already know the story. There's There was not more to it. Except that the nasty business, which, like, unless you're going to elaborate, that's not that scandalous. He made me nasty. Well, I would like some it's more like, details. You violated the terms of Monster.com's, you know, made <laughs> posting section. Like, really? Yeah. There was Simon Bricker hitting on Cora at the art gallery. And there was Prince Kuragin letting us know granny has a past and that's it like that's all that in an hour and the the other thing that you can tell not just the moment of like i know i've made you wait a long time let's talk tomorrow there's also the business of like oh the cop is back again like there's this this business with the cops like so inefficiently written and plotted that he has to come back more than once in the same episode to like give a tiny colonel more information like Mm. doesn't he have expenses that he has to submit like this does not seem reasonable, considering that, lest we all forget, I'm not trying to be a dick, but, like, really would this much police uh, resources go to investigating the murder or maybe murder of a butler? I doubt it. Yeah. Touche. All right. Good choice, Mark. <clears throat> Tara, what say ye? Oh, yes. No knack for sure. Sarah? Behold. No neck. Yeah, so no neck. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 
Captain Abby, Season 5, Episode 3, you are hereby inducted into the extra hot great no-neck. Jesus. Oh, God. American level winner. It's important that we keep playing that clip to remind the world that's why gym teachers shouldn't teach music classes. Actually, I think the actual thing of that is it's not kids playing oh it's an orchestra where everybody they had to all swap instruments. instruments right oh. yeah so they had like drum guys trying to figure out the violin and stuff so they understood the music but they couldn't play the instruments properly well then if that's the backstory that's actually pretty good yeah <laughs> uh winner of the week sarah has what yes is? i do <clears throat> mr nicholas brendan late of uh buffy and also some court systems uh, went into rehab to address his uh, substance abuse and depression, and he graduated on Friday. Congratulations, hey! Nick. Good job. And he started uh, the Twitter hashtag kicking depression in the ball sack, uh, which I am all for, um, both hashtag and actually doing it. Um, I that think barely it's leaves you any characters for the tweet. <laughs> that makes me sad. <laughs> I, th- I think maybe he's probably going to try to do like an acronym with it. But anyway, okay. uh, I highly um, recommend that he listen to that little clip of music and he's <laughs> feeling blue because I'm telling you, it's a cure for many things yep. that ail you. Who has our loser? Me. Loser is Chris Harrison. Last week was the finale of The Bachelorette and inevitably he was asked at some press event or other. What he thought of Unreal, which we talked about earlier in the show, and he decided to be a real fucking bitch about it, say he thinks it's <laughs> terrible, that is a direct quote, uh, basically ran it down on the Donald Trumpian uh, point that it's not doing as well in the ratings as The Bachelor, which like, oh, is that our measure for quality in TV now? Good to know. Um, so yeah, he made an ass of himself, just looked like a petty pissy bitch and then later that week which i wrote about both of these on previously.tv uh there was a paley center event for unreal and obviously people from the show were asked about chris harrison (laughs) shitting on them they were like it's great any publicity is good publicity like they didn't care so (laughs) yeah that was awesome which they shouldn't frankly i wish one of them had said i would be concerned if chris harrison did like our show but anyway uh so yeah chris harrison quit being such a bitch it's like the weird al effect right Exactly. When Weird Al does your song, you have to like it. Right. Otherwise, you, you come look off like as a, a dick. real asshole. But also in the same interview, he said, "Like it's fine when you want to spoof it. Like Burning Love was really creative. Like Unreal is not a spoof. Get your story straight. Also, shut up. You guys, know what time <laughs> it is? Yes, it's game time. Oh, oh my god! Okay, this is the fifth game time of the season. Tara has two points. Sarah and Value Guess right behind with one point. First person to reach five points wins the season. Today we are returning to our top game time contributor and fan favorite, Rob Hartman. Hey! Yay! Recently of Opposites. For something we're calling You're the Worst. Mm -hmm. Rob explains, There's no pleasing everyone. In this game, you will have to identify award-winning shows by quotes from their worst IMDb user reviews. 
<laughs> this is great. Awesome. All of these shows won or were nominated for Emmys or Golden Globes as Best Comedy or Drama Series. I am going to read you the review and you tell me the TV show. No okay. hints. He provided hints, but I think that's too much. Okay. I think these are a lot of them are self-evident. Okay. So I'm going to skip the, the, the hints. This is a brilliant. This is a brilliant game. All yep. right. Love it. We will start with valued guest. Okay, so oh. let's go. Mark, Sarah, yes. Tara. Okay. Are we ready to play You're the Worst? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Okay, Mark. In every episode, you will see too much drinking, too much smoking, and too many extramarital affairs. <laughs> Producers seem to think just because they portray the stylish era, they can be sloppy about the plot. Uh, Mad Men. Hey. There we go. Yay. That is worth one point. Somebody vamp for a sec. I have to write something down. I will uh, say this. Yes, Mad Men does have a lot of smoking and drinking and extramarital affairs. That critic is not wrong. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Sarah. Yo. Has, in quotes, cheesy, awful singing suddenly become Art Nouveau. Okay. This show is nothing what it's like to be in a Ohio show choir. <laughs> Uh, Glee? <laughs> All right. Get on the stick, Dave. Jesus. Yeah, sorry. There's a lot of things going on in my document right now. Okay, Tara. Yeah? What the hell is this? Kooky drama? Lawyers in Looney Tunes land? The world's thinnest, most duck-faced duck <laughs> actress. I gotta over, stop you right there. <laughs> overreacts her bony butt off, making grimaces that would shame Bugs Bunny. Wow. Um, is it Allie McBeal by any chance? <laughs> All right. The majority of the show is just title character bickering with the other doctors over what is wrong with this person who is on their deathbed. Is the USA really so short of actors that they had to import lead actor to play this role? Uh, house. Correct. Sarah, we yep. trundle on to the final episode. And what do we get? Absolutely nothing. No explanation about any of the mumbo-jumbo that has been forced into our brains over the past six years. Gilligan's Island was more entertaining. <laughs> this actually could be any number of shows, but I have a feeling that it's lost. <laughs> mm, Tara. <laughs> I never understood why somebody would glorify white trash like this show did. And that voice of hers, jeez. Um, Roseanne? Oh, okay. Oh, Mark. dissed. Classic. This show, <laughs> Mark. Do you do you need to excuse yourself for a moment? I do. I'm I'm now I'm mad. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I mentioned Roseanne. You wanted to take care of some business. All right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. This show. No, my, dad, my dad's not <laughs> oh. here. So it's fine. Oh, this show <laughs> has an overwritten script with a constant stream of unrelated quiz show type facts series writer-creator, had the show's various characters spit out his contempt and prejudice for everything which he does not agree with. While he sat safely behind the scenes typing out more meaningless literary tirades. <laughs> what oh, man. is he? The West Wing? It is the West Wing. <laughs> I, th I was like 50-50 chance. <laughs> Alright, Tara. No, Sarah. Sarah, my apologies. This show 
consists of some very shallow people in New York pointing out others' flaws when they got enough of their own. So basically, it is very, 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 very stupid, pointless, and unrealistic. I will never get why TV Guide ranked it at number one on their list of the 50 greatest shows of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seinfeld? Correct. Tara? Yep. You get to see naked dead bodies, see dead bodies being treated like inflatable toys, and ironic humor that's all about dead bodies. Fun! Nothing distinctive unless you really get off on mortuaries. (laughs) Six feet under? (laughs) Back to Mark. You don't need a spoiled New Yorker to make the show interesting. Maybe Maggie would have been more appealing if that Kvetch the doctor was out of the picture. Maybe Maggie? Yeah. Maybe Maggie would have been more appealing if that, if that Kvetch the doctor was out of the picture. Is it Grey's Anatomy? Mm. I don't know. Northern Exposure? Northern Exposure, yep. Oh, oh shit. Is that our first incorrect answer so far? Yes. Wow, yeah, all right. it is. Okay, uh, Sarah. Yep. TV does influence society. Just look at the surge of popularity of cappuccino shops after this shallow piece of work debuted. <laughs> this show lasted 10 years? <laughs> Friends? <laughs> Correct. Wow. All right, bring us into our first score break for Tara. Yep. This show left a negative legacy, and that's capitalized, guys, so Whoa. it means biz. Countless bad TV shows with directors who think shaking the camera at everything is cute. This show started that awful trend, and its progeny are stinking up the airwaves. <laughs> is it Law and Order? <laughs> oh, NYPD Blue. The other oh. one. All right, yes. our oh boy. first score break. Well, things just got interesting in that last round. So Mark and I are tied with three each. Sarah has four. All right. <laughs> oh. So we're back to Mark. This show lacks the British punch because the Brits are allowed to mock their politicians. Lead character and her staff are all dumb. Uh, Veep? (laughs) Or Sarah. (laughs) This show uses names that existed in 1876, but that's about as far as authenticity goes. I find it unbelievable that these beloved characters from our past use that language and in that era. 1876? 1876. Okay. This is for Sarah. Deadwood? Oh, of course. This show's about four losers, the most annoying characters <laughs> I've ever seen. I have several gay friends that they don't like this show either. Um, several. Looking? Mm. Sex in the City? Will and Grace. Oh! Oh, shit. All right, back to Mark. Although Sex in the City and Looking were also both very... I mean, I could see that review applying to all three of those shows. Looking was really just about three, though. And I don't think Looking's won oh, anything, true. have it? Uh, yeah, probably No, it hasn't not. even been nominated. Probably not. Oh, well. Okay, Mark. Title yes. character is a prime example of selfishness and immaturity. He breaks up his marriage and leaves his ex-wife and his preteen son while he moves 3,000 miles away to massage his own ego with a new job. Ha, 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 ha. There's a hint there Ah. at the start. Title character is a prime example. Title character who just leaves. Uh, I know this is wrong. Uh, Dexter. Is it Frasier? It is Frasier, and I should know. I'm Frasier. I'm Frasier. (laughs) Number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. Sarah. 
There's nothing unique in either the TV series nor the prequel movie. From the moment they found the body of a poor misguided girl washed up, it's simply one's man, one man's sexual fetish. I watched it all just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which man's sexual fetish are we talking about here, reviewer? Uh, I believe this is Twin Peaks. Correct? Tara? Yes. I was forced to watch this horrid show by an ex-girlfriend. Men bashing, girly stuff, drinking, cruising guys, buying shoes, and basically just being whiny. It is not some innocent girl show. Is this Sex in the City? Okay. It is not <laughs> Sex in the City. <clears throat> Mark. Yes. The writers came up with one idea. A slow-witted dullard marries a conniving, bitter woman who never stops yelling, then moves next door to his parents. <laughs> a conniving, bitter woman who hates the other conniving, bitter woman, and a grumpy old man, then never came up with another one. <laughs> one idea. Uh, is it... Is it... Um, oh. Oh, God. Um... Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody one. loves Raymond. No, I was going to say, lives next door to his in-laws. All right, Sarah. Yo. The worst aspect of the show is the relentless narrator who has the cocky, smug, sardonic voice of a sociopath. <laughs> when it got canceled, it got what it deserved. I don't know why they brought it back. Uh huh. Narrator. I don't know why they brought, brought it back. back. Yeah. Quiet, Sarah, quiet, Tara. Sorry. Mark's We've got, got a beater. Tiger. Tara would never uh Tara would never knowingly help me. Um I was trying to help you. <laughs> Too competitive. I do ooh, I don't know. Shit. Jericho? Is it arrested development? It is arrested development. Oh. Yeah. Alright, Tara. Is Opie is sardonic now? Okay. <laughs> well, according to a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> the show should rena- be renamed 2.5. Because that's about the total of the viable screen time that was stretched out to this day-long abomination. <laughs> Just in the first five seasons, there have been 67 depictions of torture. Well, I was going to say two and a half men, but instead <laughs> I'll say 24. Oh, you just won't stop at the social commentary. 24. Correct. Thank you. Mark. The lead yes. character is a villain operating for money and power with no redeeming qualities, and the storyline is mind-numbingly slow and dull. People talk about the period detail and the historical accuracy as if that equals good TV. This is probably not a bad review of this show. <laughs> okay. Is it Boardwalk Empire? <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sarah? The distant, preoccupied lord, the stuffy butler, the fussy cook, the meddling housekeeper. Good grief. I cannot believe that people actually buy this insipid vomit. (laughs) (laughs) This could actually be Benson, but that is not my guess. I'm going to say Downton Abbey. Has Miss Bunting gone? (laughs) Bring us into our second score break. Tara. Mm -hmm. Some people enjoy petty squabbling between stereotypically pretty people pretending to be doctors by wearing white coats and steamy will-they-or-won't-they situations arising between interns and residents. This show has all of that with none of the realistic medical business to get in the way of a good, in quotes, juicy storyline. Well, this could be a lot of things, too, but I'm going to say Grey's Anatomy. Well... We are still locked in the same positions we were. Mark and I have six each. Sarah has seven. Oh, wow. All right. Good game. Yep. Very close. 
pitcher's bat. Marcus. Yes. Our lead character is a troubled, stubborn, renegade agent who constantly disobeys her superiors. And in brackets, she also can't stop shouting. <laughs> lead actress makes for a very annoying, unlikable Jack Bauer clone who acts every scene, overacts every scene with the same three facial expressions. That's a pretty accurate review, too. (laughs) I want to give you credit, Dave, for your acting choice to whisper the line about shouting. Very smart. Thanks. Um, I'm going to say Homeland. You are correct, sir. All right, Sarah. Nutcrackers, perverts, and those who plan to cheat on their wives would love it. What's wrong with CBS? This is nothing more than a soap opera set in a summer vacation locale. I will give you the hint that you could ignore the CBS part. Because that is not right. Oh, well, it's oh. right in a way. It's CBS umbrella, but it's not CBS. Oh, okay. I don't Can want you the... read it again. Sorry, yes, yes. I just didn't confused. want the uh, the reviewer's error to lead you astray. Nutcrackers, perverts, and those who plan to cheat on their wives would love it. What's wrong with the CBS umbrella? This is nothing more than a soap opera set in a summer vacation locale. Ah, uh, huh. Uh. I will say, what's wrong with Showtime? Okay. Huh. That's what I thought. Helping me. The Affair? <laughs> oh. You are right. <clears throat> Tara. Yeah. No cops. I mean, no cops are that corrupted. How is, a constant, how is constantly shaking the camera and playing with the zoom lens a style? <laughs> corrupted? Yep. The shield? Okay. Correct. Back to Mark. Yes. Murder, hatred, murder, dragons, murder, nudity. The producers of this show clearly think you need a pair of boobs every so often to keep you going. Well. Uh, Game of Thrones. It's a formula that seems to be working. Seriously. Uh, Not only for that show, but for most HBO shows. Save the dragons. Right. I think there was some in Arliss. Arliss joke. Yeah, I regret it. I'm not happy with that. The only, the only show not on HBO Go. Really? Is that true? Yeah, it's not on HBO Go. Oh, mm. even they know. <laughs> um, sorry, who was that? That was Mark. So this is for Sarah. Mexicans aren't funny. People with braces and glasses <laughs> aren't funny. Why would anyone with the nickname show title want to work in fashion? <laughs> I think we're all forgetting about Bumblebee Man from The Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, Ugly Betty? Correct. It's nothing more than Police Academy wannabe. This is a cross between Barney Miller and The Wire? I don't think so. (laughs) Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Okay. Back to Mark. That's so obvious I thought I had to be wrong. You ready, Mark? Yes. It's like a badly written SNL takeoff of Studio 60 that just won't die. (laughs) 30 Rock. I'm sorry? 30 Rock. Yes, sir. Sorry, I laughed over your answer. (laughs) Thank God it's finally over. While police detectives are generally a likable lot, once things get to the DA's office, things take a turn for the worst. (laughs) Sarah. Sarah. Yes. (laughs) Law and order mothership. Yep. Yep. Instead of a real gay couple, we're served up with a couple of raving gay queens. Instead of a real Hispanic, we're treated to a modern-day Carmen Miranda. Oh, God. Modern family. Not an inaccurate review of that show either, I might add. Not at all. 
This show had a, if this show had a laugh track, at least someone would be laughing. All the actors are doing horrible impersonations of the original characters. I wish, I wish U.S. television would just leave British humor alone. Uh, the Office. Correct. Tara. Yep. Nope. Sarah. Nope, Sarah. Nope. My apologies. If there are UFOs, you can bet the Department of Defense would be loudly proclaiming it and not hiding it from the FBI. Sorry. So we have the stupidest conspiracy premise ever. Not saying there aren't aliens. <laughs> Is that the end? Yeah. <laughs> Just kind um, of X Files. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lee is into our uh, penultimate score break. All right. I'm astounded at the fact that it's supposed to be spot on to how young women of that age are. We don't watch each other poop. Good lord. <laughs> um, girls. Okay. <laughs> That's something that happens on that show. You're not going to believe this. The standings are still the same. Mark and I are tied with 10 each. Sarah has 11. All right. Great game. We have, uh, everybody's got, I think, four or so. Looks like about four each. Okay. All right. Back to Mark. Yes. This reviewer says, I have zero desire to see people doing drugs. I have zero desire to watch human bodies chemically decompose. I don't want to watch innocent people get shot in the head by the dregs of society. Sorry. It's not my thing. Uh, oh, the wire. Shit, is it Breaking Bad? Shit. Yeah, oh, it would have no. been Breaking Bad. All right, Sarah. Yep. Good grief! Do you have to copy the X Men story? These powers differ from one individual to another and are so unbelievable. This was nominated. Yeah. Mm. Heroes. Mm-hmm. Emmy nom, two thousand seven. Good lord. Jesus. Man. Everyone's saying this show is like six feet under. What I found in repeat episodes that focus on a serial mangler and a deranged racist was puerile, unrelenting torrent of violence and sadism. Racist. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Prison break? Mm. Nip tuck. Oh. Nip tuck. Great guess, though, Tara. Oh. Thanks. All right. And we all remember, uh, what's his name's Emmy nomination. (laughs) (laughs) Mark. Yes. Every character in this show hates themselves, their spouses, and the other people of the bar, with the exception of the (laughs) slow yokel bartender who is kicked around like a puppy. Oh, cheers. This is for Sarah. As the years have passed by, the talent level has decreased. Now we have John Stamos. Do you call that star power? Thanks to NBC for removing this show from life support. Burn. (laughs) ER. You are correct. Tara. Yes. Creator and star thinks he's absolutely brilliant, witty, and funny. He's actually just a balding, middle-aged, unattractive guy who likes to endlessly babble a lot. No, I did not like Seinfeld either. Curb your enthusiasm! Anyone who tries to tell you what God says is a sinner who tries to scam you. Also, the girl who plays title character looks bad. Um, <laughs> uh, Joan of Arcadia. Correct. Nice pull. Looks bad. Yeah. What does that mean? Also, God wasn't capitalized, so oh, way dear. to go, dude. Mm. Or lady. <laughs> For Sarah. 
Yeah. A neurotic without the smarts couple overanalyze every single moment of their trite lives. The wife is so annoying, it's amazing. He's a hypocritical idiot, and it's supposed to be funny. It's not charming. It's not fun. It's just plain wrong. <laughs> it's not charming. I can't disagree. Not... Yet I love it. <gasps> uh, is it mad about you? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> Portara. Yes. A lot of people say lead actor who was fired went crazy. I say he was right when he flipped out and offended the producers. Is this two and a half men? <laughs> it is two and a half men. That All is right. a weird uh, topic cluster for you there, T-Bone. Yeah, Bone. it's funny. All right, let's hear the scores. Everybody's got one question left. Dramatic change. Mark and I have 12 each, and Sarah has 14. Nice. So we are screwed. All right, let's oh. play it out. Yeah. Mark. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Four overrated actresses go through all these dumb stories that would be better on Days of Our Lives. With a revolving door of cast changes and the five-year time jump, series creator might has, might has, might have, that's not right. <laughs> well, I'm just going to read the review. Might has well drive a nail through the series coffin. <laughs> time jump, four women. Re- rotating cast. Yeah. Series creator might has well drive a nail through the series coffin. Yeah. yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's funny how uh, forgotten this show is f- for how big it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, Desperate Housewives? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. All right, Sarah, here's your last question. Lead character and his wife use and abuse anyone who gets in the way of achieving their political goals. But to make them repeated killers, bisexuals, and have them engage in three-way sex, that's going overboard. So I take it this isn't King of Queens? Just <laughs> House of Cards? Oh, yeah. Correct. <clears throat> Tara. Yeah. Your last question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as okay. a fan of Godzilla, start... Hey, hang on a second. Oh, my God. Good start. As a fan of Godzilla, Star Wars movies, and Star Trek, I am offended by this crap. I have seen nerds in the wild, and for the record, nerds don't act like that. <laughs> is it The Big Bang Theory? It is indeed. Yeah. All right. Oh the game is settled, but the fight for Dave points continues. Oh, boy. Here's our oh, my Dave point chart. Unused tiebreaker worth a single Dave point. Okay. First person to shout out, out right? the show. Is Sarah out of it, or is she? No, you're still she in can it. Still be yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, are we ready? First person to shout it out gets it. Yep. Here's the low review from this well-regarded show. Is this a prison or a lesbian high school? Or just a new black. black. Mm. I'm going to give that to Mark. Give it to Mark because he was faster. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) All right. Congratulations. Sarah. Sarah. (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We sat around the table. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm so hot. We sat around the table, (laughs) anteed up, and determined the kings, drama queens, and jack-of-all-trades of the summer TV season, and found that humans had the ace up its sleeve and walked away with the pot. We checked back with our seven-year-old international correspondent on the start of the ninth season of Face Off, discovered why we are all domer this week, and Mark successfully brought us the Oh My God, Just Get On With It episode of Downton Abbey for the No Knack. 
we crowned winners and losers of the week, and Sarah was the winner of this week's Game Time. Remember, we're listening. <laughs> I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano, <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, just <laughs> write my commie ass off already, would you? And Mark Blankenship, he made me nasty. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time, right here on Extra Hot Great. That's enough, Daisy. Come and carry this potty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs>